1: This episode of Burnt Toast is brought to you by our friends at Panera Bread, who are out to make breakfast the way it should be made, with some respect. Try their new bacon, egg, and cheese on brioche, Panera, food as it should be. Welcome back to Food 52's Burnt Toast Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkal. Maple syrup season is flowing, and it's sweeter than ever. A big business and versatile ingredient, how and when did maple become something more than eye-catching autumnal leaves? We tap a few maple makers in the Rockwellian state of Vermont, where everyone seems to know the 40 to 1 ratio of sap to syrup, and find out how their fertile sugar bushes have become a favorite pancake topper. Across the border in Quebec, this Canadian province rules the land of maple, making over 150 million pounds of syrup last year, or 70% of the world's supply. We'll even travel back in time and pour some syrup out on fresh snow to make maple taffy, just like they ate in Laura Ingalls Wilder's classic children's book, Little House on the Prairie. But how does maple make it from tree to table? Casey Elsass, founder of Bushwick Kitchen in Brooklyn and proprietor of Trees Knees Maple Syrups, imports his syrups from southeastern New York.
2: I think a lot of people get the part that the maple comes from the tree, but don't necessarily know the in-between steps. It takes 40 gallons of maple sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. That's how much boiling down has to happen. So a quick explanation is the sap includes starches from the trees. That's the sugary syrup that we end up Ingesting. So in the wintertime, all the starch goes down into the roots of the trees to be stored for winter. To get a good maple run, you need a day where it's freezing at night, but warm during the day. And what happens is the groundwater starts to melt as the day warms up, and that shoots the starch up through the tree, which gives you that really good sap flowing through. This is also why in maple grading, the earliest pulls from the trees will be the lightest grade, and then the later pull will be the darker grade because it's just the flow of the starch going through the tree.
1: What are these grades? I know there are different like qualities and styles of maple, but that, that constantly changes too.
2: It used to be kind of a scatter of a lot of different grading systems, and now it's been universalized between the U.S. and Canada. And it's actually an all-A system, and it's a descriptive grading system now. So it would be grade A... Light amber, light flavor, dark amber, robust flavor, that kind of grading system, which now B has gotten wrapped up into the A grades, which is a little confusing for people that used to be B fans, but it's still the sort of lighter to darker, more robust grade.
1: Well, let's get back to this maple run, which in my head I always thought was some kind of 5K. Mm -hmm. Uh, When does that start?
2: A lot of people associate maple with wintertime, but it's actually an early spring harvest. So right about late February, early March is kind of prime maple season. It all depends on the weather, though, because you really need that run of perfect days. And unfortunately, it's a pretty quick run, too. It's usually two weeks maximum. And maybe, depending on the weather, you might get a couple days in January, a couple days in February, and then the real bulk of your harvest late February, early March.
1: So a maple run really means that you have to be ready to run to your trees to tap them on the right When it's go, time, yeah. it's go time, it's
2: go time. Maple syrup has gotten kind of stuck in this breakfast-y place, um, which I've tried to do a lot to get people to think about maple as a bigger product than that. We should be thinking of it as a widely used ingredient and not just something you pour on your pancakes or mix into your oatmeal.
1: So what else can I do with it?
2: It's great on meat. It's really good for roasting or barbecuing. It adds that nice sort of shellacky beautiful crust onto a piece of meat. Um, also really good with fish, surprisingly. It doesn't seem like they would go together, but salmon and maple actually are very, very good friends. And of course, we all know, great on vegetables. That's like a nice winter roast, is a pan of vegetables
1: slathered in maple syrup. While at UVM, Jordan Warner, our co-producer, would bring her own jug of maple syrup to the dining hall because she had such a strong grade preference, she didn't want to leave it to chance she returned home to visit Ethan West of Republic of Vermont, who in their sugar bushes, tree canopies dominated by maple, produce some of the best organic maple syrups around.
0: This is our main holding tank, so we can hold about 4,000 gallons of sap in there. It's a, it's a lot. It's big.
3: Now, are all the trees that you're working on kind of immediately around here? Or do we have,
0: have, so we have two sugar bushes it's basically 70 acres here at the sugar house. It all drains down to the sugar house. And then across um, the road on that mountain over there, we have another sugar bush. Um, So we have about 2,000 taps here and 2,000 taps over there. Um, So 4,000 total. Um, And we have a big truck uh, named Frank (laughs) that we use to uh, move the sap around um, from the other sugar bush. So each year we drill a hole in the tree and we try to pick a good, clean area where there's no dead wood and it's far away from where we've drilled uh, holes in past years so basically just drill a quick hole 20. and that's in cool. and it's snug and i don't know if you can see that liquid it kind of sprays out when you tap it but here we can do a couple more the sound changes you can tell when it's seated in there it's all on vacuum so we have a pump that basically keeps the whole system under vacuum and it helps draw sap out of the tree so if these aren't seated in there enough then we have vacuum leaks um, and we have to spend a lot of the season going around finding vacuum leaks squirrels chew on the tubing and like so it's <laughs> it's a lot of work during the season but we're we're certified organic so we have sort we have a process but If you just wanted to start making maple syrup, nobody would ever come bother you.
4: Do you think that's why there's so much of a tradition in Vermont of like small personal sugar houses and sugar making? Yeah,
0: it used to be something to do in the late winter before uh, you started milking cows and started doing field work.
4: How is that kind of landscape of maple syrup production in the state changing.
0: So uh, maple syrup in Vermont and in Canada and New England, really, the whole area is going through a big boom. There are a lot of people making a lot of maple syrup. You see more operations with you know two hundred thousand taps, five hundred thousand taps, and there's operations that are gonna are planning to have millions of taps, and they're trucking sap in you know eighteen wheelers and, and all this um, big stuff. And so it's not good or bad. It's just how what's going on with the industry and uh, maple is is growing as a sweetener, and people are realizing it's a good thing to to use instead of white sugar or other uh, sweeteners. So maple's going through a huge boom.
1: Laura Sorkin moved to Vermont in 2000, leaving a life in Washington, D.C., entrenched in environmental advocacy behind. Laura was interested in starting an organic veggie farm, and frankly, Eric was interested in following Laura wherever she went. They founded Runamuck Maple.
5: Laura has a background and she has a degree in, in,
6: in... I went to the French Culinary Institute back in the 90s and worked in a bunch of restaurants in New York.
5: Thanks. <laughs> so, we, you know, in, in 2016, we launched Run Amok Maple. We just saw a real opening for a more contemporary design and a more culinary focus on maple. And the business has just taken off since then.
6: We do infused, smoked, and barrel-aged maple syrup. So the infused syrups, we, we messed around with a whole bunch of different uh, herbs and spices that we thought would go well with maple syrup like cinnamon, vanilla, but then we have a bunch of others that are really unique, like hibiscus, uh, macruit lime leaf, which is the same as uh, thai lime leaf, and um, essentially we came up with the ones that we like best and, and went with it. So the barrel aged, we take our maple syrup and we age it in a bourbon, rum, or rye barrel for about nine months, and it's sort of the essence of the whiskey, but there's no alcohol in it. So then the last one that we do is smoked. We do a smoked maple uh, a lot of folks would use it on things like barbecue. It's amazing in cocktails, just like a teaspoon in cocktail sort of bring out the best of that smoky flavor of a darker spirit like bourbon or rye.
5: For all of them, we've just got a very long and intensive R&D process, which um, which involves tasting hundreds of samples of maple syrup, which sounds great until you, like, come in in the morning, and there they all are on your desk, and you're just like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs>
6: Diabetic shock, <news. laughs>
1: In his book, American Terror, Rowan Jacobson, an award-winning journalist who writes about food, the environment, and the connections between the two, leads us through the history of maple syrup and maple's new generation. My favorite line in your book says, April is the cruelest month, but March is wicked sweet. What does that mean?
5: <laughs> so, all right, so I'm having fun, some fun with T.S. Eliot there, right? That first line is straight out of, it's the beginning of The Wasteland, T.S. Eliot's most famous poem. So I'm kind of playing off of that. And, like you know, so turning that into this, this weird type of anxiety that we in Vermont have every spring, um, when the weather sucks, but the, the maple trees start, start to run uh with sap and so it's this super exciting thing because it's the first crop of the year in a sense but um but it's also uh, a hell of a lot of
1: work (laughs) (laughs) so it's not this fertile (laughs) playground where any tree you go up to and kind of stick a tap into will start flowing maple
5: it's so variable if you spent time up there in the spring first of all the roads turn to soup absolute mud soup because they're all they're all dirt roads and they're still frozen deep down um It's just in that time when the days are are above freezing and the nights are below. That's the only time that the sap runs in the maple trees. And that is also the perfect recipe for disastrous roads.
1: It doesn't seem like a wine region where people visit necessarily.
5: (laughs) I know. It's hard to have a tourist season when the weather is so forbidding. However, it is becoming a thing. Um, Maple is actually becoming a big deal. You're starting to see much larger enterprises buy up. Uh, big sugar bushes in Vermont and New Hampshire and elsewhere, in uh, Quebec, for sure. And like they're gambling that maple is going to be worth even more in the future.
1: So we're actually betting on maple futures. We're investing in maple stock. Yeah.
5: <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, let's talk about maple sugar, which is so surprising to me that that was kind of a predominant sugar or sweetening agent up until the Civil War.
5: I know. What insanity, right?
1: It's bonkers.
5: So you need 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup and then you push that further and cook out all the water to make maple sugar so i don't know you're talking like a hundred to one or something
1: well and that was first run of the season right when when the maple levels are high in sucrose
5: right um the, the, the beginning of the season the sugar levels high and the everything else level is low so you get a really clean uh sugary flavor and that was, especially back in the day, that was what the, uh, the old timers really preferred, this light, clean, clear syrup. Um, my generation, and most people now, I think, prefer sort of the richer, more nutty, caramelized syrup, which comes a little later in the season. The old timers pre- pre- prefer, because they were trying to make maple sugar, uh, which lasts longer than syrup, um, they preferred the, the fancy stuff at the beginning of the year.
1: Get your passports ready because we're heading over the border into Canada when we return to hear why our neighbors from the north think they're magnates of maple. Well, until it was stolen.
5: So I can't remember the exact details, but it was like wire cutters. Somebody cut a fence, backed a truck up to this maple's warehouse and just like clean the thing out one night. I think they never found the perpetrators.
1: You're listening to Burnt Toast, and this episode is brought to you by Panera Bread. They are on a mission to bring a little respect back to your breakfast. Panera knows mornings can be rushed, but that doesn't mean you have to settle for anything less than something good, clean, and handcrafted. Their new breakfast sandwich, the bacon, egg, and cheese on brioche, is made with care. From ingredients like freshly baked brioche, an over-easy egg, real Vermont white cheddar, and thick-cut bacon. And when it's handcrafted, you get options, like how you want your eggs, if you want to add their sweet maple sauce, or even switch up your bread choice. Panera believes that food should taste good, no matter what meal you're eating. Breakfast is how you'll start your day. Why not start it on the right foot? Thanks again for tuning in to Burnt Toast. When nearly 19 million Canadian dollars of syrup were stolen from a warehouse, between August 2011 and July 2012, it shook a nation, as well as the Canadian dollar's exchange rate. 2,700 tons went missing, but who took them and why? Some thought it was an inside job to disrupt the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers, a government-sanctioned cartel that was created to support the maple syrup producers across Quebec. Avic Caron, the heist ringleader who had alleged mafia ties, was caught by Mounties and pled guilty. He now serves jail time for the offense. Maybe he saw opportunity when the Federation rented a warehouse partly owned by his wife. Much of the maple was found on the black market and recovered, but it was quite a scare.
7: Well, the the funny thing about the maple heist is that I don't think people in Quebec, you know, everyday people using maple realize that it's sort of Quebec's liquid gold. The heist was millions and millions of dollars of maple syrup, and it was sort of siphoned. I don't know if it was like already in tins or if it was in vats. or It was sort of siphoned, so kind of nobody knew.
1: My friend Jo Notkin is my go-to for all things happening in Greater Montreal. A top-notch cook and caterer and Canadian oyster shucking champion to boot, she couldn't imagine a world without maple.
7: Oh no, we, no, maple syrup is everywhere here. It's readily available, real, true, in a tin, maple syrup. But it's sort of a winter scene with the maple trees, and there's probably a kid running through it, you know, and it's very, it seems hokey, and yet at the same time, you know, it's kind of like the I Love New York t-shirt. It's just kind of there, and you appreciate it, but you probably don't really pay attention to it, you know?
1: I mean, it's the season. Do you see this fervor around maple happening right now?
7: Uh, yeah, because the, the sugar shacks start opening. The cabana souks start opening pretty soon. Everybody's going and they're going with their families and the sugar shacks are booked and then people are scrambling to find a place. It's all everybody talks about for a couple months. They're pretty similar in sort of the standard fare that they serve. Of course, with the Martin Picard um, sugar shack, which everybody is dying to go to. I think I've been three or four times. That's a totally different experience. The rest, you know, it's like everybody has their favorites. It's just like kind of the corner coffee shop that everybody goes to for their eggs on the weekend.
1: So at what point of the season is sugar on snow? So that's called tir, and it's spelled
7: T-I-R-E, which is very confusing if you're reading English in a recipe because you're like, what? There's tire. What's tire? But um, tir is, it means to pull. So um, what they do is they take the maple syrup and they boil it down to a softball stage. And then they would kind of pour that into a pitcher or use a ladle and then over crushed snow or like, you know, if they don't have snow, they're using crushed ice, but that's kind of shaved. So they'll pour a long strip of that kind of repeated down the snow in a long row. And then they'll wait for a minute until it solidifies and then they'll take a either a tongue depressor or a popsicle stick. Once it's tacky, they'll put the popsicle stick down and then roll it. And then you have what looks like a lollipop of soft maple taffy.
1: If maple syrup is liquid gold, then maple taffy must be smelted. It's truly a precious thing in Quebec, so much so that Pierre Morin, owner of Les Bouquet, an ice cream parlor in Montreal, waits all year just for a few weeks of maple taffy in a cone. So let's talk about ice cream. I am so excited that I found that you have a very specific flavor on your roster.
5: Okay, the, the special flavor is called, actually in English, it's maple taffy ice cream, but in French, it's crème glacée à la cire d'érable. What we do, we make a base of Maple syrup ice cream, so, and we add layers of maple taffy. So maple taffy would be maple syrup that we eat a bit more. Okay, so it becomes a bit more solid. It's really fabulous, and we've been doing this product for the last thirty years. And we do it only for about six weeks. We try to get the first batch of of maple syrup of the year.
1: It's such a distinctly different thing that we think spring has arrived because green things have arrived.
5: Oh, okay. No, not in Montreal. (laughs) Spring has arrived
4: because that product is available.
1: Vermont has its maple ice cream too, a twisted soft serve version called maple cream. That's C-R-E-E-M-E-E. There are maple cream candies, maple liqueurs, maple vinegars, and even a company by the name of Untapped that makes travel-size maple syrup athletic fuel packets for the person on the go. In Boston, Massachusetts, May Mei, Mei is Irene Lee's restaurant and food truck, which serve what she calls creative Chinese-American and multicultural Asian food. Dumplings, scallion pancakes, sandwiches, and there's a smoked maple ginger sauce that's delicious on everything.
4: When I was in high school, I lived on a farm in Vermont for a couple of months. So one of the activities and chores that we did um, was to go out into the sugar bush and um, haul giant buckets of, uh, of maple sap, um, and then boil it down to make maple syrup. Um, the school actually produced all of its own maple syrup. Um, and that meant that, you know, if you were in the dining hall and, and you had a little bit of maple syrup left on your plate when you tried to bust it at the end of breakfast, um, you were going to be turned away uh, from the dish window and told to, to go get another pancake.
1: And where do you get the maple syrup you use at Maymay? May?
4: From Bobo's Mountain Sugar, which is based in Weston, Vermont. Um, The sugar maker there is actually my environmental science teacher um, from the school in Vermont, where I first sort of learned the magic of maple syrup. At Maymay, um, we are definitely a little bit maple syrup crazy, and we try to find a home for it in as much of our food as we can. The first thing we love to do is make drinks with it, um, because you know, simple syrup is uh, it, it does the trick, but maple can add just that little bit of extra flavor um, and something that's a little bit interesting, you know, that makes you sort of uh, tilt your head and say like, oh, what is that? Um, So we make a drink called um, the Woodsman's Refresher, um, which is just maple syrup mixed with whole milk and served over ice. And it's sort of an homage to Um, You know, if you know how precious maple syrup is, uh, when you get to the bottom of a bottle, you don't want to waste everything that's stuck to the inside of the bottle. So you fill it up with milk um, and shake it up. And then you have this sort of delicious, um, milky, sweet treat.
1: In South Korea, there's a type of maple tree called kurosay, or good for the bones. Drinking the sap has cultural significance as kind of a spring tonic. Hee Lee, a.k.a. KoreanFusion.com, is a writer and teacher with a Ph.D. in human nutrition. Born and raised in Korea, she's a student of the traditional Korean royal court cuisine and gives us a taste of kurosay. So it
3: tastes slightly sweet, um, but more or less have like a soapy texture from high mineral, like potassium, calcium, and um other this whole hosts of minerals.
1: So that's an interesting thing to talk about, something that might not taste so great, but people imbibe anyway.
3: Koreans are big on, oh, this food is good for this part of the body. For example, like a lot of Korean grandmothers would boil beef knuckle bones for hours because their knees hurt. koro is another good example of it. Uh, my father... Who works in the southwest region of Korea, in that province, there's a mountain called Jirisan, And people will go on hiking and in the midst of hiking. There will be a place where you could buy like liters of kurose and you sit around, drink that. But it's basically to cleanse out your system. You're resubstituting your liquid in your body with kurose.
1: So it's it's like electrolytes, like Gatorade. Exactly.
3: Yes. Exactly. And from my research, I also found that um, people who live in that region will make chicken soup with it. So Koreans eat samgetang, which is a chicken soup, chicken stuffed with ginseng and sticky rice, boil for hours, and it is consumed um, to invigorate your health and if you make it with kurose apparently it you know tenderizes the meat more and makes it a little bit more sweeter broth there's a really high demand and the um, province and the government really tries to protect the mountains and the kurose trees so only when like they are permitted to harvest which I believe is February to March. So, Koreans will say March 5th, Gyeongchip, which is the day that frogs wake up from hibernation, has the most flavorful gorose.
1: Cousins Charles Smith and Nikita Salmon have sap in their veins. They come from a big eighth-generation Vermont family, which has been producing maple syrup for decades. They started their company, Sap, in the form of sparkling beverages made from the tree sap of maples.
5: So ma- maple sap itself, as a liquid, uh, is very tuned to human hydration. It's very nutrient-dense, but it, your body also takes in those nutrients really easily uh, with, a, ma- with maple sap itself. Sap is low glycemic. Uh, it's got prebiotics in it, so it's good for your gut health.
1: Sap is also a great hangover cure. Yeah, I,
5: I mean, it's funny because there's there's definitely sort of a group of people who use it very specifically for that. There is a lot of electrolytes in the product, and not not to mention we've tested it extensively, um, and it seems to work pretty well.
1: (laughs) With its sweet smell, sugary taste, and syrupy nature, maple is something you can experience through all your senses. In Japan, appreciating it visually is just as satisfying as pouring it over pancakes. Hiroko Shimbo is an authority on Japanese cuisine who has earned worldwide recognition. She conducts tours in Japan where attendees are immersed in the country's history through food culture. And there is none more stunning than seeing the maples at Full Peak during autumn in Kyoto.
8: Kyoto is famous for Momiji Gari, or colored leaves. Uh, and the Momiji, or uh, the maple trees' leaves, are sensational crimson, which sits uh, surrounded by all of the temples, wooden structure uh, built in the 17th century, uh, 15th century, just seeing what nature brings, the color to make that very quiet historical place vibrant.
1: Being in New York, living here now, you have access to maple, maple syrup. Do you ever cook with it?
8: Yeah, and actually, I found a wonderful way to use maple syrup. I have been uh, unhappy uh, with uh, just a regular mirin. And uh, some, uh, sometimes I just uh, switch, replace uh, mirin with maple syrup. And both has a kind of a very gentle sweetness, It is not a sugary, sticky, sugary, uh, sugar taste. So uh, maple syrup is wonderful. And uh, yeah, maybe once a year, pancake with maple syrup. (laughs) The Japanese cuisine strives to create uh, meals uh, which connect diners to nature and the nature to season. So for example, Sashimi dish in autumn, we will, of course, use seasonal fish and the shellfish. In addition to that, the chefs may put a little uh, real maple leaf on, on the plate just to maximize the uh, diner's experience. So then we cut uh, veggies into... Uh, Some shapes representing maples, ginkgo leaf, uh, other leaves. And we present to the diners and then we say, oh, wow, we are really (laughs) in autumn. So this
1: is truly a story of eating with your eyes.
8: That's very true. Uh, Eyes and brains. (laughs)
1: From the sugar bushes of the northeast to Kyoto's fall foliage, maple is so much more than the transformation of sap into syrup. It's both a reawakening and a breathtaking finale, one that we wait for every year. And though maple trees are regenerative sources of commerce and custom, once you cut them down, they're gone. Thank you to Food 52, my co-producer Jordan Werner, music by Joshua Ruhl Dobson, and Nick Radd and Mike Comette at HeadGum for Recording. It's almost time to queue up for episode three of Food 52's Burnt Toast, where we'll be exploring a different kind of food phenomenon, waiting in line for that must-have meal. And sometimes it's a very, very long line. Why do we do this to ourselves? Well, it turns out there are a whole bunch of fascinating reasons, and we'll patiently ponder these in our next episode.